Reading from Exodus 17, verses 1 to 7. The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of Sin, moving from one place to the next, according to the Lord's command. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses, give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me, Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you ever bring us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? In a little while, they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Hello, Elevation. When my husband Dwayne and I were uh, newly married and living in uh, Los Angeles, we decided that we would go hike Mount Baldy uh, with some of our friends from our church small group. Now, Mount Baldy, um, just to give you some context, is a big, beautiful mountain that sort of hovers over the basin of Los Angeles, uh, but it has an altitude, it has an elevation of over 10,000 feet. It's rugged, it's beautiful, but it's tough. And at that time, the most amount of physical exertion I did every day was I was an executive assistant in an office and I would get up and walk from my desk to the, to the copy machine and back again. <clears throat> so I was pretty naive thinking that I could just go from that to hiking Mount Baldy. And that became evident to me pretty quickly. Uh, before you even start the hike, you have to take a ski lift to the start of the trail. <laughs> And by the time you get to the start of the trail, you're already at an altitude where the air is thin and it's harder to breathe. And within five minutes, I was gasping and not even five minutes, five steps. I was gasping and spluttering. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, guys, I got to stop. I need a Snickers bar. I need to get some calories. And it was nothing but pain from there on out. It was the hiking trip from hell, even though it was beautiful. I was in so much pain and the pain really brought out the worst in me. Not only was I uh, in physical pain, then I started getting passive aggressive and moody. <laughs> um, I just really came unhinged. I So like Dwayne and our friends didn't seem to be in as much pain as me. So they'd be hiking ahead and having a great old time and I'd start grumbling and getting really pouty and then I would like way back and just wait and see if they'd notice that I wasn't there and when they didn't notice I wasn't there then I would like get angry and indignant and I'd hike really hard until I surpassed them and I'd be way ahead of them and then I would just be in so much pain and by the end of it I I thought for sure my toes were bleeding they weren't bleeding my joints were so sore I was having a hard time bleeding or breathing and then when we got finally to the bottom of Mount Baldy Dwayne and I got in the car and all of my like embarrassment and frustration and anger I just channeled it all at him and I was like you don't love me why couldn't we have hiked in a meadow or something why did you make me hike Mount Baldy um, 
<laughs> so that's what it's like to be married to me, in case you were wondering. <laughs> but I find myself, unfortunately, in good company today in our passage scripture for our series today. We're looking at Exodus 17. We're in the series locating ourselves that Steve has started for us. Um, we're journeying with the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. But today in Exodus 17, the Israelites find themselves on the other side of Egypt, the Red Sea. They find themselves in Rephidim, the, the desert, and things are getting tough and it's bringing out the worst in them. So they have seen God perform miracles to get them to this place. And yet, when they start to really face the scarcity of the wilderness, the lack of water, the lack of food, when they really start to face the uncertainty of it, um, it brings out the worst in them. They begin to question God. Are you even with us, God? Do you even care? Are you among us? And then they turn on Moses. And they say, they don't even just say, how did you bring us out? Why did you bring us out here? They, they blame him. They say, you brought us out here on purpose to for us to die. Um, and so Moses, you know, is at his wits end and he, he goes to God and he says, God, you got to help me with these people, your people, they're about to kill me. They're about to stone him. And God and in his infinite wisdom and, and generosity takes Moses to a rock. He says, hit this rock, water will come forth. And before the elders of the Israelites, um, God provides water from a, a rock for them. And so then Moses goes to name that place. And this is a common practice um, at that time, was you would name places as a sort of memorial to God's journey with you, with the people at that time. So you could remember as the people um, who God was to you in that moment. And interestingly, Moses does not name this place where God literally brought water out of a rock. You would think he would name it something like God provides, but he doesn't name it after God. He names it Mesa and Merida, testing and quarreling. He names this place that's a site of a miracle after the terrible behavior of the Israelite people. And that behavior, whether we like it or not, we can probably relate to more than we would like to admit. Because the reality is, who of us hasn't found ourselves in moments where we are facing uncertainty when we find ourselves in a wilderness of our own. Um, and the natural bent of our hearts is to start questioning if God is there. God, do you love us? Do you care? Do you see us? And pretty soon, once we start doubting God's faithfulness in the midst of scarcity and transition, follows pretty quickly that we start to move into a scarcity mindset where now we feel like we have to provide for ourselves. And once we feel like we have to provide for ourselves, we sort of fracture and splinter and we turn against one another. We turn against our leaders and we start to question them. Now our neighbors become not a partner to journey with and rely on through the desert, through the wilderness, but the, they become a threat because if there's only so much water to go around and they get it, then that means there's none for me, right? Um, and then we start blaming. How did we end up here? Who brought us here? Whose fault is this, right? Who can we scapegoat? And yet Exodus 17 
shows us and teaches us something really beautiful about who God is to us in the midst of our wilderness, in the midst of scarcity, in the midst of uncertainty, even when we're behaving at our worst. Thank the Lord um, that even when we're behaving at our worst, it doesn't change who he is to us in those moments. And so if there's nothing else you take away from this sermon today, here's the one thing I want you to take away. That God, this is what we learned from Exodus 17, that not only does God provide for and protect his people in the wilderness, he is with them in the wilderness. Um, Let me make that really personal. Not only does God provide for and protect you in the midst of your wilderness, God is with you in the wilderness. So what does Exodus 17 teach us about the character of God, the nature of God, who God is to us in the midst of transition and scarcity and uncertainty? Well, the first thing it teaches us is that God's character is not diminished by scarcity. It is not changed. God is not changed by scarcity, by plenty or by scarcity. God was the God of the Israelites when they were in Egypt and being oppressed, but at least had their basic needs met. God was the God of the Israelites in the wilderness when they were hungry and thirsty. And God was the God of the Israelites in the promised land when there was milk and honey flowing. God is not changed fundamentally by our circumstances. God is still God even when we are in the middle of the wilderness, even when we are in the middle of lean times and when we don't see our way forward. God is still God. The second thing we learn from Exodus 17 about who God is to us in the wilderness is that God is sovereign over scarcity. Not only is God unchanged or diminished, he is not, he is unchanged by scarcity, God has sovereignty over scarcity. So God literally brought water out of a rock for the Israelites. God brought nourishment out of a thing that has no business being nourishing. So it doesn't matter what kind of scarcity we may be facing. God is sovereign over it to bring nourishment for us out of it, even when we don't see a way forward. The third thing we learn about God and who he is to us in the midst of the wilderness um, is that God remains faithful even when we don't trust him. Even though the Israelites were questioning God, even though they were doubting his goodness and his presence, that did not change God's faithfulness to his people. He still provided for them. What a relief. It doesn't matter how badly we are behaving. It doesn't matter how much we may be doubting God. It does not change God's love for us, his graciousness for us, his grace to us, his provision for us and his presence with us. That is a beautiful gift. Okay, so let me make this really personal. Let me bring this home to where we are here at Elevation. We are here at Elevation in a season of transition. Uh, We are in a season of scarcity and uncertainty. Um, I don't know if you were able to be at the annual general meeting, um, I think a couple months ago, uh, when one of our steering committee members, Annette Rossell, we love you, Annette, what, thank you so much for your service to us, got up and delivered the very difficult news that this year our budget is not going to balance, um, that we have a shortfall. 
and she said something so profound. She said, this is a budget of faith because we have not as elevation. I mean, we have been in the really fortunate position in the last several years that all of our needs have been met financially. And yet this year, that is not the case. This year, we have to actually rely on God to provide for us in ways that we have not had to rely on God for that in the past. We're also in a season of uncertainty. I mean, there's uncertainty because we had a transition in leadership, but there's uncertainty because of what um, the impact of the pandemic. And, and that's not just our community. That's all church communities, right? It has fundamentally um, changed how we, you know, sort of engage together in worship. And um, there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with that. So the gift of Exodus 17 to us this morning, and there's uncertainty too about, um, you know, who are we going to be in the future? Who's our leader? Who are our leaders going to be that are going to lead to the future? What is our structure going to be? What is our theological grounding going to be? There's uncertainty around all of these things. Well, the gift of Exodus 17 is that it shows us who God is to us in this moment at elevation. And the first thing is that God is still our God even now in the middle of this transition. God was the God of elevation before the pandemic when things seemed comfortable and secure. God is our God here in the midst of this season of transition. And God will be our God into the future, um, whatever that brings. God can and will provide for us in this season of transition, in this moment of scarcity and uncertainty. But even more than that, even more beautiful than that, is that God is with us in this season of transition. Isn't that beautiful? That is better than anything else that God could give us, just his presence being with us. God was with us before the pandemic, and he is with us in the middle of our presence during this transition, and he will be with us. We are God's children, not because our, balance, our budget balances, not because we have the best and brightest leaders and the strongest structure, we are God's children, not because we have a beautiful building to worship in. We are God's children because God is with us at elevation. My prayer for us as we move forward is that we would never stop seeking God's presence in our midst here at elevation. That every week we would turn our eyes to God and that we would invite God's presence to be with us through the person of Jesus Christ and all the work he did on the cross for us that we would know and rest in God's presence, that um, God can provide, he will provide, he will protect us, but better than all of that, God is with us in elevation. And I pray uh, that we will keep that as our central focus and heart's desire as we move forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful picture of who you are to us in the wilderness. God, thank you that not only do you provide for and protect us in seasons of scarcity and uncertainty, but you are with us. And, and, and Jesus, that is our heart's desire here at Elevation. More than anything else, more than being able to make the balance, the budget balance, or being able to figure out all the governance, structural, theological things, Lord, more than any of that, we just want your presence with us, Jesus. And we ask that you would be here in and among us, and we thank you for the ways that you are. Open our hearts to you. Help us to sense you and see you every day, every week as we worship together 
and live life together as your children in this body that we call Elevation.